0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for September 14. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Many millions throughout the world are mourning the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The longest reigning monarch in British history, she was respected for her lifelong commitment to leadership through service. She reigned with dignity and graciousness, providing stability in a chaotic world. In previous Word on Wednesday writing, I have touched on her witness to her faith, expressed in her Christmas messages. In 2011 she said, Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Her words, we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed, call to my mind Jesus' parable, the parable of the shrewd manager, found in Luke chapter 16. Two themes stand out, a dishonest manager and a generous owner.
1: Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money.
0: The parable takes us into the world of property and business. It's the story of a rich man who has his affairs looked after by a property manager who enjoyed a great deal of delegated power. He could negotiate financial deals and sign contracts. His position commanded a great deal of respect. However, as with any position of financial responsibility, he could mismanage funds. And this seems to have been the case, for at short notice his master issued him with a dismissal notice. Charges were brought to the owner that his manager was squandering his property. The silence of the manager is significant. He was street smart and was clearly unsure of the details of the charges. To speak might give the master even more reason to charge him. But his silence condemned him. He was fired, but significantly, not immediately, sent to prison. He had time to plan, but he needed to act quickly. Knowing he didn't have either the physical stamina or the heart to work as a labourer, and not wanting to beg, he worked on a strategy to win friends who would look after him. One by one he called in those who owed money to the owner. He halved the debt of the first debtor, who owed the equivalent of 900 gallons of oil. He also reduced the sum owed by a second debtor, who owed the equivalent of two and a half tons of wheat. In today's money, both reductions were in the order of $10,000. While much ink has been spilled in debating the meaning of this parable, we can make several observations. The manager's action in reducing the outstanding accounts is conceivable. In a bad season, an owner could reduce the yearly rent in advance. But the feature here is the secrecy and the speed of of the adjustments. Furthermore, there's an all-important underlying theme, the owner's character. The manager knew the owner to be just and upright, and because the owner hadn't promptly sent the manager to prison, it was evident he could temper justice with mercy. This is the key. The manager risked everything on his perception of the owner's mercy. The owner had two options. He could call in the debtors and point out that the updated rental agreements weren't binding. Or he could remain silent and personally absorb the pain in the price of the reception, in which case he would be the one who paid the cost of his manager's tactic. To interpret the parable this way puts a dark construction on its meaning. Could Jesus really be saying this? Well, consider verse 8, where we read, And his master commended the dishonest manager, because he had acted shrewdly. The placing and the force of the word shrewdly, as the last word of the sentence, is significant. The owner is not commending his manager for his deception, but rather is complimenting his shrewdness. The usual Greek word for wisdom is sophia, but here another word is used, meaning cleverness in self-preservation. The manager is commended for his shrewdness in looking out for his future. The parable speaks of an existential moment in the manager's life. He faced a future without hope. The movement of the story and the motif of shrewdness means this is a parable about life and death matters. Furthermore, As one commentator has noted, the better reading of the phrase in chapter 16 verse 8 is not the unrighteous manager, but rather the manager of unrighteousness. This phrase is a figure or metaphor for the world of men and women whose lives are characterized by unrighteousness before the owner, God. In this parable, Jesus is drawing together a complex cluster of ideas. The owner is a figure for God, who is both just and yet incredibly merciful. The dishonest manager is a figure for us all. In the story, the manager is caught in his sinful actions and called to account. Knowing he is guilty, he entrusts his future completely the kindness and mercy of the owner. Having experienced his master's goodness at the beginning, he wasn't jailed, he is confident his master will bear the full cost of his rescue. This is the shrewdness the master commends. Shrewdness about life and death and the future is what Jesus wants us all to think about. The second part of verse 8 is the climax of the parable. The children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light, Jesus comments. Kenneth Bailey, who lived in the Middle East for decades, observes, The parable provides an unforgettable insight into the nature of God, the predicament of men and women, and the ground of salvation. This is a dark parable in that Jesus teaches us lessons about God and ourselves, the present and the future, through a situation of corruption, injustice and pain. It is dark in that it is the owner who has to pay the price for human failure. As Luke's narrative unfolds, the shadow of the cross of Calvary looms ever larger. The parable challenges us to be shrewd in preparing for our future beyond the grave and wise in trusting God with our life. Men and women, the children of this age, make smart decisions about life, looking after and protecting their interests. However, Jesus is saying the children of light, that is, his followers, are not necessarily clever about heavenly things. They know there is a future world, but they don't prepare for it, nor do they live in the light of that knowledge. In what do you trust, is Jesus' question. Have you understood that the only hope of rescue for sinful men and women is found in the mercy of God? Yes, that mercy is undeserved, he is saying. But the day will come when you will see that God is willing to pay the full price, Of your rescue. So let me pray. Almighty God, you have conquered death through your dearly beloved Son Jesus Christ, and have opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant us by your grace so to set our minds on things above, that by your continual help our whole life may be transformed, through Jesus Christ our Lord who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit in everlasting glory. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women and banish from them the Spirit that makes for war, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian San Francisco. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You also may like to listen to the hymn In Christ Alone from Keith and Kristen Getty at the Getty Music website, www.gettymusic.com.